Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports, joined by myself, Ethan Kershaw, alongside with Alex Maurer, to bring you all things Real Salt Lake throughout this week. Alex, how are you doing, my friend? Ah, man. Result aside, I'm doing very well. My U13s played a stunner this morning, 1-7-2, no biggie. Awesome. First red card I've seen in a uh, in a match as coach. So uh, it was <laughs> thoroughly deserved and everybody knew it. You know, we had a, a goalie take out a striker, but it happens. It wasn't us. It wasn't us, but the opposing team. Okay. Uh, and went to Oktoberfest today, which was just a splendid time. Awesome. And then unfortunately came home and got to watch some RSL soccer. But man, oh man, we were so close. Ethan, how are you doing? Hopefully, hopefully better. I don't know. How's, how's, how's fatherhood? How's that treating you? My fatherhood's been great, but... Uh... Still dealing with the mess of uh, situation in my apartment. I don't know if I mentioned that in the last episode. I think that actually happened after the last episode. So I think maybe I should bring that up. Yeah, but, um, fill us in. Yeah, so our apartment got um, got flooded. Uh, I think it was that last week. It's been the longest like two weeks ever, man. But, Are you um, a basement apartment? Yeah, yeah, basement oh, apartment. Man. So our, our landlord was doing a, a renovation on the upper uh, level and tried to pull a cabinet off. Didn't come off. He just left. Then it dropped down, turned on the sink, and then <laughs> flooded the upstairs and drained into uh to our apartment that was underneath no it. So way. were you home when it like started? I wasn't. I was actually out of town. Oh so. no. <laughs> yes. So what happened is our our it was so bad. There was so much water that our neighbor next to us, also on the the lower level, like called our landlord and was like, Hey, we're getting some water into our house. Like, I think it's oh, coming from our neighbors. Goodness. So the landlord went over there and looked at it and they gave us a call and like, Hey, we got some bad news. So I have been <laughs> having to deal with that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's over so the last brutal. two weeks, which sucks. Um, but hopefully things will be on the up and up. We actually, my wife and I went and saw an apartment today in Layton. So we're, we're in American fork right now. So in Layton, I was gonna say, that's a big move. Yeah. And uh, we really, really like what we saw. So we are going to be applying for it and hopefully we will have a new apartment this week. So fingers crossed. We'll Glad to hear it. Yeah. Let's so back on the up and up right on. Yeah. That was a long way of saying that my, I guess last week when we didn't have an episode was not so great. And this week's getting better. So, um, but Glad to hear it, but I feel the same, uh, about the RSL result as you do. Um, and we'll get into that. Oh man. And yeah, as you well. mentioned a red card with, uh, with your boys team, uh, we'll talk about another red card briefly today in the episode. Hopefully so, really um, briefly, Alex, let's get into our pod trivia segment here. <laughs> and I'm sure you've got a fun question for me uh, based on that laugh. So, Alex, I, yes, with it. I actually do. So, okay. Ethan, are you ready? Sure. Why not? Let's do it. Who has more rostered players whose names start with a vowel? Real Salt Lake <laughs> or the LA Galaxy? <laughs> uh, player names, dear. player last names specifically that start with a last vowel. Names last names i was i o and you i was so tempted not count for this question i was tempted to pull up my phone and go look at that but that would be cheating so i cannot do that so um 50 50 well i know we've got let's see Hmm. let me think about that real quick fascinating radio this is (laughs) i gotta think through it man this is a tough one that can you name one on our team that starts with a vowel of course you, we, we I got, got two, Ojeda and um, and Oviedo. 
Interesting. Very interesting. So I'll say RSL. <laughs> so close, Ethan. It's actually no. the LA Galaxy with four. RSL had three. You did have 66% of them. Ojeda, Oviedo, and Orozco. So okay. the transfer window was big for our last name players starting with a vowel. It was a big transfer window for that. LA Galaxy have a get a, I don't know how to pronounce that. Araujo, Edwards, and Alvarez. So well, you were close. You were close. You were very close. And the question itself was very close. I was surprised. Only three and four out of a respective like 35-man roster was was uh, pretty interesting to see. I, I really thought those numbers would be higher, but alas, yeah. here we are. And a fun stat on that question too. RSL have... Uh, all players' last names that start with a vowel with an O, is an o and then for Isn't LA Galaxy, it's an A. And right? Edwards, right? Edwards is the one. Oh, dang yeah, it! You're right. Okay, dang it. yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that is strange. That is very strange. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our monarch. The listeners that got that one. That yes, was, that was a, that was a real doozy. Yeah, shout out to you all who got it without uh, cheating, like I was tempted to do. Um, let's move on to our monarch minute. Um, Alex, I'm sure you've got some jam-packed information about the Monarchs for us this week, as I believe they yeah. are, their, their season yeah, is finished Yeah, their season's point, done so. and dusted, so this one's the director's cut. So be watching the clock, but don't watch it too closely, because this one's going to be tough. Here we go. The Real Monarchs finished their season on a high, beating the Colorado Rapids 2-2-1 two, two at home in Harriman, with goals coming from Tyrone Mondi and Pedro Fonseca. The Monarchs finished their inaugural MLS Next Pro season 10th in the West with six wins, 14 losses and four draws, as well as one shootout win. They also finished the year with 28 goals for and um, 50 against. It was a really, really slow start to the campaign for the Monarchs, who played 13 games before winning a single one to begin the season. However, they ended on a hot streak, winning six of their last 10. We'll dig deeper into the Monarchs season once we hit the offseason, but I figure it's worth briefly touching on some of the biggest contributors this year. Two of the older Monarchs, Fonseca and Mondi, the aforementioned, 24 and 25 respectively, led the team in goals with eight for Mondi and seven for Fonseca. 14-year-old Axel Kai finished the year with over 1,000 minutes, three goals and four assists, which is not bad for a literal child. Defensively, goalkeeper Gavin Beavers took a massive step forward, solidifying himself as the team's undisputed number one. With Deucenup missing the entirety of the season due to personal reasons, look for Beavers to be next in line for RSL at the goalkeeping position. As well, defenders Haziel Orozco, Golden, the Big Machine, Mafuenta, and Aziz Kayondo were massive in turning around the Monarch season, turning an absolutely porous defense into a slightly sturdier one down the stretch. The Monarchs finally, finally committed to actually playing the youth for the first time in their eight-year history as a club, and it has set the team and its players up very well for next season. Cross your fingers, this groundwork pays dividends in the coming years. That is all I have today, Ethan. Unless you have something you want to add to the Monarchs, I feel like we should probably save a longer discussion for them for two weeks from now when we might have a little bit more time pending RSL's playoff debacle. Well, not debacle. I mean, it's hard to call it a debacle tonight because, I mean, we're still technically alive. But RSL playoff hopes in the balance. And uh, depending on which way that goes, I think we'll have some extra time for the Monarchs. Um, I will just be very brief. Uh, I just want to ask you a question and we can probably jump into it later, like in a, another episode in the future, a little bit more listening. into detail, but I just want a quick answer from you. Three guys that play for the Monarchs this year, since the season's now over that you would like to see signed to, to get like an actual RSL question. contract next season. So there are, so I know what you're saying, but there are plenty that are actually already yes, on first true. team contracts, but it's so true. let's say playing time. Yes. Uh, if there's any players I want to see play 500 or more minutes for RSL in 2023, it would be number one, Haziel Roscoe. And he's, it's, it's yes. frankly not even close. The next one behind him. 
I can hear Maddie in my ear, Maddie Casey, telling me that Zach Farnsworth is clear of Haziel. And I just, I, I don't, I don't nope. think that's true. I think Haziel is, is far and away the most MLS ready. We saw it in Major League Soccer. And then he went and had a full, very solid season uh, at the MLS Next Pro level. So he's my number one. He's my 1A and probably my 1B as well. He seems ready. He is making a very paltry sum uh, in salary. And that worries me a little bit just because I feel like he's the kind of guy that could get offers elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So Haziel is my number one. My number two is probably going to be Gavin Beavers. In all honesty, he's still young, he's 17 years old, but he became an extremely capable goalkeeper goalkeeper, excuse me, in this year. And I think he could serve well as a backup and, you know, pending the reality where we actually get us open cup games. I think he could do well to play in some higher level matches of that caliber and lastly, it's really, really, really close between Aziz Kayondo and Golden, the big machine, Mafuenta. And it likely hinges on who we sign at left back in the offseason. Oviedo's on a very short-term contract. It's unlikely, I think, probably that he comes back next year. And that leaves the left back depth pretty much with just Andrew Brody. And I think Kayondo is probably ready. He's 19 years old. He had a very, very good campaign for the monarchs but also that mid-season weird friendly tournament they had he was he was very very good and so he would probably be my one that's most ready and has got the easiest pathway to minutes but golden the big machine of fuenta is not far behind because he like i mentioned in my in my spiel he and haziel really turned the season around for the monarchs because they were not just shipping goals left and right if i was looking at forwards, Tyrone Mondi and Fonseca do have the most goals on the team, but that is also because they are they are both literally a decade older than Axel Kai. So they're just at different points in their development and they're playing against, you know, the same competition, but they're so much further ahead that it's it's really difficult to say how their game would translate to MLS. Selfishly, I really want to say Axel Kai here, but it's probably probably safe to assume he'll get at least another year down with the Monarchs being only 15 years old in that in that coming year. So those are my three. Is there anybody that I didn't say that you probably think deserves a shout? Coming into this year, my big my big two were Julio Benitez and Jude Wellings, and they both had bad Monarchs years. Yeah. I mean, they were just inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. And so those ones are, are, are frustrating for sure. But they would have been they would have been my guys from last year. And it was it was really bumming bumming me out to not see them week after week come in and take that step forward and really snatch a, a starting spot and make it their own. But is there anybody that you think deserves a shout that I didn't mention? I think I agree with the majority of what you said. If I'm not mistaken, I believe guys like Haziel Orozco and Pedro Fonseca, right? They already have first team contracts technically. Fonseca, I'm not sure about, but Haziel, yes, he's making 65K which okay. is the lowest of all the teenagers that were signed last year. And he was the only one to actually play any minutes well, of significance for RSL. Then I will say I would like to see four guys. Personally, um, I, I like your Gavin Beavers take. I do think that he could make that jump. I might want to see him start the rest of next season with the Monarchs, honestly. Um, maybe get a couple yeah, of calls. I don't know that he's, I team, agree that he's, but... I don't know that he's starting MLS caliber yet. So it's yeah. tough to like, he's super young and, and as a backup goalkeeper, you know, there's just not many minutes yeah. for you. So it's hard to yeah. really find anything other than Monarch's minutes playing time and stuff. Yeah. So um, for me personally, I really liked what I saw from Mondi this year. I know he's got the age gap, but he's looked really good this year. And I think that he's he a has. player that RSL could really use, especially in the attack. Um, Pedro Fonseca, really smart guy he's kind of played a little bit out of position at times for the monarchs uh 
they drafted him to be originally like a kind of a defensive midfielder, but he's kind of played all around the field at this point for the Monarchs. Played well and an added bonus. Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think more than half of his goals this year have been penalties. Or penalties, yep. yeah. So that's something that, I mean, Domi comes back and he's the undisputed number one, but let's say Domi's out for a game or Is he just doesn't play. Has Domi taken a penalty for us? I maybe i don't, I don't know. actually sure know that he has because albert took him for so long i don't know that i'm sure Man, we, that's we'd a, have well, to i mean that, in but... seattle he would have taken one in seattle yeah but i can't remember wow we'll have that I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it would be demir but if it's not if it's it's true if it's not it's pedro fonseca he looked very good taking penalties this year very confident scored a good amount of them um and then i just i agree with your your assessment of golden mafuenta big machine and aziz kayondo um, those are two guys that I think 100% deserve to get a contract. They played very well defensively, and um, I've, I've enjoyed Kayondo bringing the ball up the field at times too. So um, I think they deserve it. But that is, I guess, our way too long assessment of the Monarchs. And we will. <laughs> Monarchs 10 minutes. <laughs> Monarchs 10 minutes, yes. We will we'll talk more about them later on later episodes um, of, the, uh, of the off season, I guess I should say. But let's jump into our news segment. Uh, we got uh, a couple of pieces of news to talk a little bit about. So, Alex, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? So, first of all, we had the friendly with Atlas on yep. Thursday, which I was unable to attend. Uh, I was there. nothing really of note. You can obviously cover it better than I can. But Aaron Herrera hit a sixty to seventy yard banger. It was incredible. He has tried this before. He almost scored against Steve Clark, but he made a fantastic save couple years ago doing just about the same thing and that was the only moment of the game that i recall ethan so is there anything that uh i should uh, be enlightened upon or is it all pretty much summed up in that one 30 second video where aaron crushes it from his own half it's not summed up in that because if it was summed really? up in that rsl would have won one zero no oh, no no, no. Oh, so what happens is is i believe it was right before half time that um Right before halftime, Atlas gets a goal, ties the game 1-1. Um, and then later on, Justin Miram gets subbed into the game and comes up with a high kick. Um, questionable if it should have been given as a red card in a game like that where it's just kind of a friendly. But ultimately, the referee deems it um, deems it as a dangerous foul. Kick to, I guess, the head area. And Justin Miram gets a red card. He's gone for that game. And so... Um, Playing a man down for the rest of the game wasn't great. RSL looked actually okay. They had some opportunities offensively, but weren't able to finish the deal and uh, and lose from a goal in the 72nd minute from an Atlas player. So RSL lost a friendly game, which that no I, one will ever remember. And uh, yeah, and I'm not very <laughs> surprised at that either. I think RSL has just been really bad in um, in games that aren't league play this year. Uh, Northern Colorado. And a lot of games that are league play. (laughs) That's true. But uh, But yeah. I don't think they've won a game outside of league play. That's not in league play. I don't think they've won a single game. I mean, I guess we've only played the two, right? Open Cup and League But I mean, we should have also weren't great in preseason either for whatever that's worth. But I mean, beyond that, the only other news really are the international yeah. call-ups from the last week. Ojeda yep. played with Paraguay, Oviedo with Costa Rica, Savarino and Cordova with Venezuela, and Diego Luna with the USU 20s. For a deeper dive on that, I assume you can go listen to Royal Riot, where they will go uh, in a little bit more depth. But Savarino scored a really, really good goal for Venezuela, yes. coming in off the wing, making a central run, uh, dragging a defender with him. It was great, really good finish. 
And Pablo talked on the radio about how important it can be for guys to kind of regain confidence in international windows and things like that. And he also talked um, at length about kind of the push-pull between club and international duties. And I always find that to be an interesting conversation because some coaches like Jeff Gassar have the take of like, I will never hold you back from chasing your international dreams. And anytime you get a call up, you know, that comes first and you can always come back to the team. And Pablo was a little bit, not that this really means much. I mean, he's, you know, steeped in a playoff race right now. I understand that he wants his guys, but he was a little bit more club oriented saying that like we pay your paycheck. And so the worry is always that whenever they go out, they could get injured or jet lag and come back tired, things like that. But it seems like everybody came back in good spirits and in good health. And so I think there's nothing but positives from the international window for Real Salt Lake. And our last bit of news, Ethan, unless you have anything to add on the international window. I just wanted to say it was funny you're talking about how Pablo says that uh, the team plays the pays the players paycheck. It's funny because the team also pays Pablo's um, paycheck, which his job might be on the line. Um, Ethan and so Kershaw. He does need his Ethan players healthy. So. <laughs> we will get there. The last bit of news is yes. indeed a sad one. If you watched the game tonight and you enjoyed the broadcast, I hope you really took it in because it was DJ and Dunny's last broadcast together for Real Salt Lake. They've been doing it forever now for what feels like forever, and they've been doing a fantastic job. With the move from KMYU to Apple TV Plus, is that what it's called? I think so. They have been, I guess, told from, you know, this is not, you know, insider knowledge, but just what's been made available on Twitter. They've been told that it will not be as simple as just bringing them back on and they will have to kind of go through interviews and see who Apple wants to bring on. I would I would have to assume that Dunny is involved in some capacity with the new broadcast with the league because he's he's missing the final game of the season to do the league broadcast for decision day. So if that's not, you know, an indicator of how they feel uh, regarding his his talents, it, yeah, I don't know what is. So that's that's really a bummer. I would hope to see those two stay around. I don't know that their <laughs> partnership comes off as cleanly to me as it does to most others, but I understand I'm in the minority there. And I understand that there are so many broadcasts around the league that have zero chemistry so i am grateful for the chemistry that they do have and it would be a huge shame if there are rsl games in the future that are not covered by those two and it just kind of bums me out it really honestly feel felt like an end of an era tonight it was kind of cool to see them just kind of take a little bit of a victory lap on the broadcast tonight but uh yeah man they're like the voices of rsl hopefully maybe riley comes back in some you know form or capacity i don't know i just really hope there are not league broadcasters that don't watch rsl week in week out calling rsl games from a truck in connecticut that would just be the absolute worst case scenario we need people in the stadium we need commentators that follow the team and i think we've been spoiled for a really long time with our broadcasts and i think we're going to find that out very quickly i agree um it is very sad. Um, I was thinking about that tonight. I, I don't know if I've, I don't know really. I mean, I'm sure I have watched games where it wasn't Dunny and DJ, but man, like it's been really ever since I can really remember back listening to the commentators voices of the game. It was, it was Dunny and DJ that entire time. So it will be kind of weird. Um, I agree with you, man. I, I can just see it next season. League commentators and guys, yep. they just pick it up off the street, come me. in and say, Oh, me. There's a, a near goal by Sergio Cordova and oh what a yeah. what a pass from 
uh, Jasper Le- Leffelson or something <laughs> like that. Like it's just it's going to uh, be yeah. And yeah, after watching so. a year of Monarchs um, broadcast, <laughs> jeez, it's going to be. And I feel for him. I really do because there is yeah. so many like names to learn. And but when you're calling us the real Monarchs, come on Ooh. now, come on now. <sighs> So yeah, that's that's our last little bit of news. It is sad news, unfortunately. And I'm glad they got their time. I'm really glad they got this last broadcast to really, yeah. you know, kind of hit a little walk off homer. It, it felt it felt like a good little victory lap for them. And I'm and I'm happy for them. I agree. Um, great memories with those guys. One thing I do want to mention that I believe you left out, I didn't want to leave out, is Diego Luna also with his international call-up did score a goal against Peru with the U-20 U.S. Oh, men's national wow. team. Yeah, I, that slipped um, my radar. Thank you, Ethan Kershaw. I don't think you'd be able to Analyst. see it because I tried to watch the game or I tried to watch the highlight and like the camera work was just shoddy and very terrible personally. So like... So I like a Monarchs really broadcast, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. You just have to take my word for it that he scored, which he did. So, um, all right, let's move on to the game review. We just got, um, mm. we kind of talked briefly about that Atlas game. So we're just going to really cover the LA Galaxy game. It happened tonight. We're recording this game Saturday night just after the game to give you our raw reaction to what happened in this game. Um, and... The game started out, honestly, LA Galaxy had some chances. Zach McMath had a fantastic save early on in this game. Um, but then things kind of started to shift a little bit in favor of RSL. And RSL gets the chance that they need. Um, a, a beautiful cross in from, I believe it was Andrew Brody, if I'm not mistaken. Aaron Herrera. Andrew Brody Aaron, played Aaron the ball. Herrera, Andrew right. Herrera. Herrera plays the cross. In Herrera crossed it in Cordova. Cordova kind of leaning back almost. It was a really... It was, a great header. Yeah, it was a great header. A really tough angle <laughs> for him to score at. The to get his neck behind that one was yeah. very impressive. And the power on that shot too. The, the ball goes in, it bounces off the back of the net and comes straight out. Like it almost looked like the ball didn't go in. But it was a, it was a great goal from Sergio Cordova. Um, we'll talk a little bit about him as well in this game. And uh, RSL continued to have chances in this game. But um, as the game grew on, second half comes around a little bit later on. Things start to shift a little bit more back to the Galaxy. And um, there was actually a penalty in this game that was saved by Zach McMath, I believe, in the first half. Um, McMath did a fantastic job on that one. But then a very controversial play with Marcelo Silva against Chicharito. In the box, Chicharito's really looking for the penalty, falls down as Marcelo Silva makes a little bit of contact. Initially, there's no foul called, and the ball's given to RSL. Um, But Chicharito makes sure to stay down for enough time to have the referee go to the monitor, which uh, conveniently enough was not working. And so he would have to take the word at that point from the VAR official ref, um, who gives him the go and says, yeah, it's a pen. So referee gives the pen. And it's Douglas Costa that steps up this time to take a penalty, puts it away in the 68th minute. And that would seal RSL's fate in this game and bring this one to a draw. 1-1 draw in this game for RSL, getting one point on the road. Normally a very good thing. But I think that with a little more control in the second half, RSL really should have won this game. Alex, tell me about it, man. I feel so unbelievably conflicted because I want to agree with you that RSL had the better of the chances and should have come away with a win. But when you acquire two penalties and you hit the post twice and on the final play of the game, your designated player striker is in one V one with the goalie and it just gets caught in the spokes and the defenders catch up. I don't know. I mean, a draw unfortunately feels like a fair result to me, 
Maybe um, even a Galaxy win. Could and of course, wanted. yeah. And of course, fairness has got nothing to do with it. But I stand by both the penalty calls as well. I think we should probably acknowledge that they were both on the softer side of things, but there's clear contact in each case, especially with Marcelo Silva. People seem to be really upset about that one. He's got an arm on his like shoulder and neck of Chicharito and his. So that's not what causes the them. foul at all. I mean, his legs, he, he barrels him over. Even if Chicharito's looking for the foul, the foul is there. And that's like okay. striker drawing a foul 101. Like you gain position, you slow down, that you feel contact, and you collapse. And he did that. And I am extremely disappointed that it came from Marcelo Silva because he has had a fantastic season this year, captaining the team almost the whole year with Dami's absence. And he's been really, really good in that time. And the narrative around him always being a red card machine or a no. penalty kick. Like it's frustrating because I yeah. think he's done so many positive things for the team this year that to have it chalked up to him, possibly, you know, being the one to help lose us this result is, is unfortunate for me. And it's a real bummer. It's a real bummer because he's had, he and Justin glad who has obviously the two stoppage time headers should have hit the back of the net on both of them. Doesn't Ugh, get there. On either. Nobody deserved it more than him, in my opinion. I mean, to start the year off, we acquire nine points off of Justin Glad headers. And so to see it kind of fall apart that way for him was and just seeing how much it, you know, pained him at the end. There was nobody On more upset than Justin at the end of that yep. at the end of that game. And so it's 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 really it's it's a huge bummer for those two center backs who have had a good season to kind of collapse in the way that they did this year. The one thing I think that stands out most to me tactically, if if you can call it that, is the switch to the three five two. I guess the continuation of the switch to the three five two. It it just feels exactly like last year. We were ahead in the playoffs all season. We have a little bit of a stumble with our typical back four, and then we switch things up to a back three and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and tonight it didn't work and next week it might and just like a decision day last year it might come down to a a very blown or very well made if depending on who you are var call or no call and that's that's what worries me is that we've we're in the exact same spot we were last year yep it's it's almost frightening Game how on, baby. this season is to last year's especially the way that this playoff race is shaping up unfortunately or i guess not unfortunately but Fortunately, this year we have a home game instead of an away game, which I guess helps a little bit. But it's against it's against Portland. Who's yeah, in and so and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but do you think we stick with the back three against Portland? Because I don't know how it. I don't know that it played so well in this game that it's something that we should really, you know, die on the hill of. Because as we both mentioned, we gave up a lot of chances in this game, yep. a lot of really clear cut chances, and beyond just the three and back, like. I I know a lot of people were really stoked on Ojeda, but man, on that Ricky Pooch shot off the bar, like he just totally waltzes right by him. Like he's running side by side. Pooch pulls the ball back and Ojeda just continues to run three yards forward and gives him all that space and he drills it. And if he hits that shot, which he's two inches away from doing, I think his performance looks a whole lot different. And I and this comes from me as a a, a, a well-documented Pablo Ruiz stan, but I don't know why you can't play those two together. I mean, what's Scott Caldwell got that Pablo doesn't, that is keeping him on the bench. I don't know. I don't know. I know Pablo had a really bad second half. I know he had a not great first half, but man, missing one penalty is, is really tough to kind of hold against a guy in, in the capacity that it feels like we have. 
I've been hearing rumblings about potential training issues, maybe with Pablo Ruiz. Don't know if I can verify if that's necessarily true or not, but who knows? Maybe that's why he started on the bench in this game. Um, I per- which is uh, huge because I mean he had a better first half of the season than anybody else in an RSL sure. uniform. Like yeah, far and away, he, he was better than anybody else in an RSL jersey. And then unfortunately, like I, I don't I hate to pin it on this, but the passing of his father, he has not been the same player since and that is of course wholly understandable but i mean even pablo mentioned it like he had a really hard time as anyone would coming back from that and you know kind of getting back to work and it's just really unfortunate because i think a lot of his career not depends on the way he ends this year but it's kind of a pivotal age and you know as part of his development in in this time that he's getting right now so i really hope that he can turn it around and you know the perhaps final 90 minutes of our season. Well, um, I agree with you. I, I think that Ruiz has taken a little bit of a, a dip at the end of the season, but um confident that he's still a starter on this team. I think that he should still be starting games. And um, he came so I guess what I want to ask really- is, did you think Ojeda was good enough in his minutes here to confirm himself in the starting 11 for next week? And if so, why? You may not like my response, but I think so. I'm always here for your responses. I I think he looks, I think he looks pretty good in this game. Um, and it's a lame excuse, but like the eye test, he looks very good tonight other than giving up that opportunity to to Ricky Pooch, obviously. But I, I like the way he played. He, he seems, he seems to have like a good amount of pace in the midfield. He, there was one chance where he brought the ball all the way up top, all the way forward by himself. Um, he seems to have just a knack for kind of keeping the ball. I, d- I don't see him give away the ball a whole ton, which at times we've seen has been kind of an issue, especially with the defensive midfielders giving the ball away in the midfield. And that creates opportunities for the other team's attack to come through and score goals. So, I mean, he's, he's looking good. Pablo, you know, Pablo really likes him. He's getting a start in this game. Um, had a, a hot start after coming to the game, or I guess coming into the team a little later in the season, but I, I like him. I think he's done enough to deserve a starting spot. And Caldwell played like all right in this game, but I don't think that Scott Caldwell is a guy you're going to want to continually rely on. And so if I'm, if I'm Pablo and we'll talk about this probably maybe a little bit in like the preview, but like if I'm Pablo looking at this team for next game, I mean, if I could have made any adjustments for this game, I agree with you. I would have rather had Pablo Ruiz starting instead of probably Scott Caldwell. Um, Maybe that leaves us out a little more defensively than not, but to me, it's Ruiz is better, Lofton's better, and Ojeda's better than Scott Caldwell. And I really, I really like those three guys in the midfield. The only worry, worry is later in the game when those guys get exhausted and you need to bring in a sub. It's it's kind of Caldwell and Beasler, and there's not a lot of pace in those two guys. So, and not a lot of quality either. Yes. I think, which is maybe yes. a little bit harsher than what you were you were going with, but the other thing that I really wanted to hit on was Aaron Herrera having a very good game at center back who is a guy that has really, really ebbed and flowed this season for us. And to see him thrown into the fire a little bit, playing a spot that he's not, you know, completely comfortable with, I think it's fair to say from performances gone by, I think he played really well tonight. And I assume that the back three will stay against Portland. And I assume it will continue to be Silva Gladden Herrera. And I love the way that that opens up Andrew Brody to get forward on yep. the right because he absolutely had a very influential game this 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 past game, and I like seeing him being able to get wide and actually play in crosses. 
instead of having to just cut inside on his right and try to find shots. Not that I don't love that too, but I just love that he has just a little bit more or is a little bit more comfortable moving forward. It feels like to me on that side, he was another standout for me and he's a guy that has played an insane amount of minutes. So for him to be able to still stay fit and to be the influence that he continues to be is really impressive because I think we're starting to see it with Miram and Chang, other guys that have played a lot of minutes. Like they're not, the first guys up in this game, they're not starting this game. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have played nearly every available minute for the past six months. And so for Brody to still be out there running the way that he is and impacting games as positively as he has been is, is truly impressive to me. Yeah. I think he got that steal uh, in the second half, second half, first half. I can't remember what half it was, but he got the steal um, in the, the attacking third, um, just the, the, uh, to the, the player for the he totally gave it away. <laughs> like he just took it right there, and, and that shot was uh, it was a really good shot. It was a, a, really, a, a really good save by Jonathan Bond, the goalkeeper for the LA Galaxy, but a great shot nonetheless from Brody. I agree with you. He's been playing fantastic, and I, I also agree with you with Aaron Rare. I think he played fantastic. There's a slide in this game that had me really worried because we've seen that at times where the attack comes through on the opposing team. They get the ball out wide and Aaron Herrera's kind of got to turn and adjust his body and, and slide and make that stop. And thankfully he makes the block against the Kevin Cabral shot in this game. But man, oh man, I've seen times where that slide turns into an, a penalty and a red card for Aaron Herrera. And so it was good to see that he, he, you know, successfully made that tackle played very well in this game regardless. And we, I'm not saying we're being too tough on guys like Justin Glad or Marcelo Silva. I would say, despite the the penalties from Marcelo Silva and um and the the missed opportunities from Justin Glad which really hurt us in this game i think Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva played a very good game defensively like there were a lot of opportunities but they there were several times where both i, I guess all three of Herrera, Glad and Marcelo Silva made very important very vital and very smart blocks on shots from LA Galaxy players in this game. So Yeah, I think a lot of times they were isolated in 1v1, 2v2 yep. sort of situations, and I think they handled them well. I think their risk management was was altogether pretty decent, especially playing against a guy like Chicharito, who yeah. you know just lives on disorganization uh, among center backs, and so I thought they did well handling that. But moving up the field is where I think the, the, the cause of those 1v1s and 2v2s happened, and I think we were not good enough in the midfield in this game to you know, quote unquote, impose our will on our opponent because there just wasn't a whole lot of creation through the middle or possession through the middle. A lot of it came wide from guys like Brody and Oviedo who, yep. and you know, Loffelson as playing as that center attacking mid, which was really weird to see him there for me. Yeah. He did seem to drift wide most often and it worked to a large degree, I think. Yeah. But he is the one guy that I have no idea why he was starting that game in that position. I have no idea how Diego Luna, I know he's coming off national team minutes. I do not know how Diego Luna does not start this game. It is beyond me. It is beyond me. I know Lafelsund is a Pablo guy. I know every coach in the world has their guys that they trust and they will play. Trust me. I've watched a whole season of Justin Miram. I know I get it, but how a guy who was billed as one of our major summer signings who was signed in the winter, but came in so late because we don't do very well at getting signings over the line quickly, how he does not get an opportunity to start this game in, and, and like whatever Loffelson was fine. So it's not like I'm, 
just hammering Loffelson, but I just don't understand the decision because the obvious answer would be, well, Loffelson's better defensively, but in this game, he didn't really do many defensive actions. Like he wasn't asked to do that. So it's not like he was tracking back 60 yards to break up a play in our goal box and then carry it forward. That's, That's not what he was doing. He was sitting relatively high right underneath the strikers and was trying to get in behind if we ever had a counterattack opportunity. So I don't know that any of those things were things Diego Luna could not do better than Jasper Loffelson. Even if he could only do them for 45 to 60 minutes, I think it makes a lot more sense to start him when we had, uh, you know, the more aggressive lineup out there. I think at this point, you know, Sergio Cordova is a very good striker, I guess. And why is Diego Luna not getting opportunity to play with him in Savarino for those extended minutes. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't get it, but I don't, again, I'm not like super mad because Loffelson was fine, but really in a make or break do or die game for RSL, our center attacking mid is a converted right back that we got in the third round of the super draft. Like, don't let the team convince you that that was really good scouting. Like, no, they just took a flyer on a guy and he panned out. Like if they wanted him really bad, they could have taken him in the first, which they traded away for 50 K or they could have taken him in the second where they got Pedro Fonseca. Like they didn't actually think this guy was going to be anything. So I, I don't know. And that's not to say that he isn't, he's earned this. He's done a very good job this season. He's been, he's been a lawful godsend, but man, that was just an absolute head scratcher of a decision for me as to why we're not, why we're not going for it. Like, why are we not putting everything we've got out there? And I don't know. Pablo has said in the past that he sees the guys coming off the bench as as important or even more so than the guys that start the game. So maybe my evaluation is not aligning with Pablo's in how he sees Diego Luna, because maybe he does see him as more important than I think he is seeing him. But it it just it it makes very little sense to me why you can't put Loffelson at defensive mid instead of Caldwell and then Luna at attacking mid. That just feels like an altogether better lineup. Or you throw Pablo Ruiz in for Caldwell or even you play Pablo with the 10. Ruiz has said in the past that he wants to play more higher up the field and that that is where he kind of grew up playing was at the 10. So I just think there were other options and better options there. And I think Pablo defaulted to the quote unquote, my guy. And I just hate that in such an important situation. Speaking of a head scratcher, uh, yes, for Loffelson's face took an absolute beating in this game, getting smacked by a ball. And then earlier in the game, getting scratched in the face. So, um, Thank you, Jasper Loffelson, for taking a few bullets for the team. Uh, Brian Oviedo did all right in this game, but I, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the forwards in this game as well. Mentioned Jefferson Savarino missed a volley in this game, wide open volley, which he converts maybe eight out of ten times. He at least gets a shot on goal, um, and he just misses it. And Skies, it was a really bad shot from Jefferson Savarino. He looks slightly off. Over the last several games, he looks like he's playing out of times hitting goals. Yes, he looks but, like he's making. He's not yeah. confident in his runs. He's not a hold up play kind of guy. He doesn't want to play with his back to defenders. It's not how he wants. He wants to be isolated one v one. He kind of looks frustrated about that at times, and you can see the yeah, frustration on his face during games. Like it's yes. not great. But speaking of um, frustration, not to cut you off, I apologize. Yeah, but Anderson Julio came on for Sergio Cordova, and he was in behind, and Luna just absolutely yes. refused ah. to pass him the ball and oh. he was ext- so maybe that's why luna's not starting so you know i go on this tangent about how great luna is and then you know he misses but i thought luna played well Julio. i thought but luna I, played pretty well I agree. I agree but yeah speaking of frustration like there was some clear was hands thrown on that one but continue ethan i apologize for derailing us no I, I agree with you i saw that and i was real frustrated about that um, but i thought diego luna played pretty well in this game um and anderson julio he played well for like the opportunities and chances he had, which really wasn't a whole lot because he wasn't getting the ball, which must have been frustrating for him. Um, but 
I want to talk a little bit about uh, our guy, Sergio Scordova. Uh, hardcore of a Scordova in this game. <laughs> that, was and that was a stretch, but I'll give it to you. That, that's my name in the uh, in the the little thing that we have that we just can put our names on in the, the chat room here. So um, ah, I, I didn't notice that. I, I just thought of it last it. second. Um, but no, Cordova played well in this game. There was yeah, some was opportunities great. and some chances that he, I mean, he put that one away, but there was another one that was like almost the exact same play and he just missed the header. Um, he was in good positions in this game and I thought he hustled and played pretty well. And you brought up the question to me, if this guy, Sergio Cordova, if he plays well enough, that was my he gets line. to 12, and he, gets and, he, 12. He, and, he pl- and he does he get a contract in the offseason? And I don't even really care about how many goals he finishes the season with. At this point, I almost just wonder if, like, I, I just, like, for some reason had a weird feeling that in this game, once he scored, I was like, that's it. Like, I think, I think the front office might just sign him to a contract in this offseason, just be like, dude scores goals, like, and... It's, I mean, he's not, he had a, he had a streak of games where he had a goal scored, but like, I don't know, man, there's a lot of games he didn't score. He's, he's the most Jekyll and Hyde player of RSL this entire season, which has just been so weird to see, but played great in this game. And I guess I'm okay with RSL signing him in the off season. But Alex, what did you think about Sergio Cordova's game? I think you're right. He's extremely two faced. And, you know, I've, I've done the old crunching of the numbers. And in 32 games played 2,217 minutes, he's got nine MLS goals, which comes out to just over or just under a goal every three MLS games, every 2.7370370704. So I, I, I don't know, like he's not an elite finisher. He's not. Yeah. He's gone on a good scoring streak, not streak, but he's he's finished the easy chances, which is something he was not doing earlier in the season. So that is a major step forward. He continues to get into very good spots for service. He continues to not be very good at holdup play, but he has gotten better. He is still not a great combination player. However, his work rate is still extremely high, except for the one random game in Austin where Pablo was extremely frustrated that his metrics weren't high enough. Like, Outside of that one, he seems to be the leader of the press from the front lines, which isn't always an organized press, but he is always, you know, pressuring guys and tracking guys down. And so I do think he has a lot of really positive attributes. And there's no but to that sentence. I think we are at the point now where nine MLS goals and two assists kind of speaks for itself. I think he's been an extreme benefactor of having two guys ahead of him on the depth chart have season ending injuries like doesn't get a whole lot easier to, you know, to find time yeah. than when the two guys ahead of you are out for the whole season. Uh, and so when that, Rubio, that Rubio hasn't been producing and when you get rid of Jonathan Menendez. Yeah. And when the coach kind of just refuses to play Rubio Rubin, cause there was a long stretch there where Sergio was not scoring and people were clamoring for Rubin. And then he finally got a couple goals and you know, those, those talks quieted down, Yep, but he's, he's been good and he's going to have to continue to be good in Portland. If we stand a chance at this point, there's nobody else that can really score goals with any semblance of consistency. And so it's, it's difficult to say that we have to rely on him for me because it's, it's hard to consider that a winning plan in my opinion, but it's, it's proven to be somewhat fruitful. And so I'm, I'm extremely happy for him. I'm glad that it has become, a place where he can actually score because man, it looked for a long time that he was just going to kind of live on the wayside, but 
I don't know. I agree with you. He's looked good. There's still things that you kind of want from his game. If I were the general manager of RSL, I think it is a really tough ask to bring him back for $700,000, which is his current salary. I, if you can get him at like 500, I think he makes a lot of sense. He also, again, like a lot, like Savarino is to an extent being played out of position at this point, you know, how long does a player have to play in a spot for it to be considered his natural position? Maybe he's at that point, but he did definitely come in as much more of a solidified winger. And so maybe he's finally kind of getting the ropes of playing, you know, those, those higher striker positions, but man alive if he did not have a good headed goal today and the crow i ate is just delicious because i for so long said that he was not good enough in the air and he had a great headed goal today like seriously the way that he moves backwards to you know get a forehead on that and keep it on target was was extremely impressive and if he gets two of those justin glad ones maybe he puts one away so who knows if i'm the front office i would love to see another two goals from him in this final game because 12 and two, or I guess 11 and two feels a lot better than like nine and two, you know, just getting double digits does feel, you know, kind of nice, but it's a tough decision. And I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make it. Is there anybody else from this game though, that really stood out to you? Because for me, I mean, the subs, Anderson Julio came in. I still despise week after week. I have to get on my soapbox and say that I despise that Anderson Julio has been reduced to be fast and get in behind because I think he is a much better player than that. And I think that we should be actually trying to integrate him into the team in a much more meaningful way than be fast because it's just such a silly strategy. And like, it's of course teams are going to play like lower or play a lower block when, you know, they have a guy like that against them. And so then that makes him, it's just so easy to make him less effective. But the other guy I wanted to mention was Zach McMath, who yep, I want to talk I mean, about your goalie, you get a PK save. You've had a good day. And I do think he had a good day, but man, that decision to come off his line and whiff and then almost concede was, was very tough. And yeah, he needs to just be a clog in our possession game. Cause anytime it goes back to him, it is just very, very often a boot forward to absolutely nobody in particular. But again, you got a PK save as a goalie. You had a good day. I mean, I have mixed feelings about Zach McMath. Um, distribution continues to be terrible. He gives a ball away in this game straight to an LA Galaxy player that leads to an attack and I believe a shot um, in this game. And so distribution still is iffy at times. But like you mentioned the PK save, not only the penalty save, he gets another six saves in this game too. like really stood on his head. I, I felt like he played a pretty good game. And the only goal that he concedes is, is a second penalty. Like I felt like Zach McMath had a pretty good game from like a, a goalkeeper stance in like protecting the ball from going into the net kind of a, a, a stance, but distribution wasn't great. It's something we need to see him improve on. Um, that's, I guess all I'll say about Zach McMath, but after all that court of a talk, I have a feeling I know who your one to watch will be in this, uh, this game preview. So Alex, if you have nothing else to mention about uh, this game, shall we go ahead and get into the game preview? It sucks. That's the last thing. It sucks. I mean, we had the opportunity to go out there and win and we've won what one on our last six, one on our last eight, something like that. And we didn't. And that's really, that's a hard pill to swallow. I said coming into this game on the podcast last week that the wind has just been entirely taken out of my sails. And that's just how I feel. Like I wasn't even nervous coming into this game. I was just Same. purely like glum is the way that I described it on the old, the old subreddit over there. But I just, I don't know, man, it's, it doesn't even feel like a playoff race to me. There's just something about having 
when the team talks midseason about being second in the supporter shield standings, and then we collapse out of that, and there seems to be zero accountability or acknowledgement that that was at once the priority. Like if you're going to pretend that you actually were fighting for the supporter shield, if you're going to pretend that you actually saw yourself in second place at the end of the year, there needs to be that level of accountability when you fall down to eighth. It's the same conversation I had with Pablo about the open cup. If you're going to pretend like it's actually important to you, and then you go out there and you have an absolute snooze fest against the Northern Colorado hailstorm and you lose at home to a team playing their fourth competitive game ever. If you're going to give me that performance after pretending that you actually wanted to win, I have to hold you to the standard that you told me that you wanted to be held to. It's just the way that I feel. And if the team's going to pretend that they actually cared about the supporters shield halfway through the season, I should be able to be upset with a loss, excuse me, a tie on the road to keep our playoff hopes alive. If you want to be held to that standard, if you're going to pretend that that was actually the goal, you need to take results like this more seriously. And uh, it's just so unbelievably frustrating that the cognitive dissonance between saying and promoting yourselves as supporter shield second in the West, whatever it was. And then you fall out. Like there needs to be that accountability. You need to acknowledge that something is not going right. You need to stop saying that it was a good performance and the ball didn't bounce the right way. We weren't good enough in these moments. You cannot get away with that. It's not good enough. You're yeah. smiling, but I'm serious. It's it's so unbelievably frustrating year after year after year to pretend like we care about more than just making the playoffs. But that is so clearly the bar for this team is to just make the playoffs. And so be honest about that. That's all I'm saying is be honest about that. The new owners come in. You're talking about an MLS Cup. I don't care. You, you, you're, you're lying. You, your three summer signings are a guy that wasn't with the team, a, a 20-year-old kid that was not playing for Nottingham Forest, and Danny Musovsky. Like, are you kidding me? Don't talk about winning MLS Cup and then bring those three guys in as your signings. It's clearly not your priority. You're probably punting on the season if you're ownership and you're going to see what happens. It's, it really takes stock of what you've got next year. So stop pretending like it's anything more than that. Because if you do say that it is, and then I hold you that standard, and then you get upset that your my expectations are unrealistic, or you know this team is achieving for what it should have been, and everyone thought we would be 14th in the West, and now we got to show up. Like I don't care. I do not care. It's not. It's not good enough, and it hasn't been for years. I didn't even know I had this in me, but like just watching the game, it's it's the first time. That I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actively rooting for RSL to lose. I want RSL to win so badly. I want us to go on to win an MLS Cup, but I feel as if this roster and the team as a whole is not good enough to even sniff an MLS Cup. So what's the point? And I feel like the moves being made are not actually pushing us to get closer to that point. The moves being made feel like they're just trying to keep us afloat on this trajectory towards kind of maybe, sort of maybe making the playoffs. And it's so frustrating to watch that be the same bar every single year that the team has to just stumble over. It's uh, it's so frustrating. I'm so tired of hearing the team played well, but the ball just didn't bounce the right way. Like, oh, man, if it doesn't snow at home against Seattle and that game doesn't turn into a weird win, or if it doesn't snow in New England and it, we take three goals off the bench, if it doesn't come off of... Uh, Justin Glad's hand in Kansas City last year and not get called a penalty. Like, where are we sitting? How different does this look if those 
if these wild turns that have led this season to be something so unbelievably strange don't happen like uh, I just can't not live in that alternate reality where like <laughs> the only reason these these things have come have just because have just come because of like wild inconsistent unrepeatable events like it just does not feel like we are building towards something and I just cannot like we're switching to a back three with three weeks left in the season because our coach he's not tinkering he just says if you try the same thing over and over again it's not working you got to switch it's like then why were you trying the same thing over and over again in the first place like oh man my i gotta get my heart rate down ethan i it's just frustrating it's just frustrating the bar is to make the playoffs stop pretending it's anything other than that like you didn't ever care about supporter shield and if you did then you, you need to acknowledge that you came up short and that it was not clearly good enough. And I want to know what your steps are to get better, to actually be contending for that in the future. Show me that you actually care about that. Stop just uh, saying it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Soapbox. Are you? No. Are you done? Sure. If you prod me, I'll go for another five, 10 minutes. So yeah, I'm done. I'm done. It's not good enough. That's the last, it's, it's just not good enough. Well, Alex, telling us how he really feels. Uh, okay, right. I well, did not um, know I had that in me, dude, but that felt cathartic. Well, this that episode felt... will now be 70% Alex rant, 30% uh, analysis. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like there was some good analysis in there, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, remember when he asked, a... do you have anything else? Just hoping I would say no and moving on <laughs> to the <laughs> Portland preview. Uh, I apologize. Before, before we move on, I just... I remembered now that i've neglected to bring up the stats of this game not that it really matters but ellie galaxy actually did we're, we're favored in a majority of the stats in this game 16 Shocker. shots to rsl's 11 eight shots on target as opposed to five for rsl pass accuracy 89 percent for ellie galaxy very high only 79 percent for rsl in this game possession really favored uh the LA galaxy tackle success fouls committed like everything's just really in the galaxy's favor um yeah not much else to talk about in this game so let's move on to our game preview for the portland timbers this is the last game of the season for the regular season for rsl um this game will be played on sunday october 9th so rsl gets an extra day of rest this week i guess you could say um it's decision day so all games will be played for, I believe, the Western Conference teams at 3, and Eastern Conference will be 12.30 on Sunday. Um, RSL will be playing Portland. It'll be a home game at Rio Tinto Stadium. So uh, America, first stadium. I really <laughs> uh, That's, that's going to get me forever now, but it even says Rio Tinto Stadium on my stupid Yahoo app. I gotta, I gotta you have got Yahoo. to get off Yahoo, dude. Uh, yeah, that'll be a it's conversation we'll have forever. You're still using Yahoo in twenty twenty two. It's just so comfortable, man. I don't know why. I'm, uh, I'm a but it's so inaccurate. Like all the time. <laughs> um, but it will be a home game. Oh my goodness! I'm just looking at this form for RSL in the last at least five games. It's two draws and a loss, which is not great. But oh boy, um, this will be a huge game. Um, we'll talk about the scenarios that RSL needs in this game to be able to actually make the playoffs. But man, oh man, looking at Portland's form, it is, uh, it's tough right now. Um, if you're an RSL fan and looking forward to this game and thinking that you're hopeful that RSL makes the playoffs, man. Over the last five games, Portland has won four and drawn one and hasn't lost a single game over the last five games. They've been on fantastic form, climbing in the standings in a really good spot. And it comes down to this game. And so... 
it'll be very tough. Now, Portland does play LAFC, as you mentioned, on Sunday. So I'll have to pay attention to that result. But this is going to be a tough game. Alex, hit me with the scenarios on how RSL is going to be able to make the playoffs. Yeah, so pay attention. So this episode drops on Sunday. There is going to be a game against Portland and LAFC, and that is a big one. So RSL makes the playoffs if Portland ties or loses to LAFC and RSL then go on to beat Portland, RSL would pass Portland for the seventh seed. If that does not happen, RSL can also get in if RSL beat Portland and Minnesota lose or draw to Vancouver, uh, thus making the Portland LAFC game irrelevant. RSL would pass Minnesota for the seventh seed. A draw will not be good enough. A draw, RSL is out. A win against Portland If Portland beats LAFC and Minnesota beat the Vancouver Whitecaps, RSL is also out. So we need, if if the Portland Timbers win tonight, when you're listening to this in LAFC, then RSL would need to win and get help. If they lose or draw, RSL can essentially win and be in. It is going to be an extremely fun, wild game. RSL Portland always is. Portland is good at Rio Tinto. They're one of the teams that just, Maybe this is just me in my 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 faulty memory, but it feels like they are one of the most competitive teams at Rio Tinto Stadium. Them and LAFC, every time they come here. True. It's true. It's just not it just the home field advantage just does not feel the same like it normally does. And as you mentioned, RSL's form is extremely poor. So this one, it, you've got to assume the back three stays because we've got to get more attackers on the field simply because if we don't win, it doesn't matter. So a draw is just, it's not going to do it. So I'd have to assume that we're going to put more attackers on the field like we have seen in the last couple weeks. I have no earthly idea what to expect. I have no idea what RSL is going to show up. Pablo Mastroeni is tactically... Oh, how do I want to... As, as tactically averse as he is, is an incredible motivator. And this feels like one of the games, end of the year, at home, playoffs on the line, that that grit and grind actually probably matters more than tactics. I truly believe he can get the guys up for this game. But I don't know that it's going to be enough. Portland, again, our form is just so poor, especially compared to Portland's. And I just truly have no idea what team is going to show up. If we're going to come out flat like we did in the Austin game, or if we're going to come up absolutely amped and wired and just take it to them from, you know, the, the first minute I have, I don't even know what my prediction is going to be. So I'm going to toss it back to you to <laughs> help us preview this one, because truly I have no earthly idea what to expect on this one. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the game tomorrow between LAFC and Portland and kind of wondering what I want to have happen because part of me is like, Oh, well, Wait, you want Portland, a Portland like, loss. You want a Portland yeah, loss really yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what I've come to the decision on. So, um, you're hoping Portland loses the game tomorrow against LAFC. If that's the case, we have the opportunity to jump Portland if we are able to win this game and potentially even Minnesota, which would be crazy. Um, yeah, if both Portland lose tomorrow and to us and then Minnesota lose to Vancouver, yeah. we could jump all the way up to sixth. So the, you're totally right about the analysis on this game. I feel like in the past when Portland comes to uh, comes to Utah, it's been bad. It's been really tough. And Portland, I feel like, is a team. Like uh, you mentioned the two teams. It's Portland and it's LAFC that just consistently seem to, like over the last like three years, just every single game have our number. It doesn't matter where we play. To be we fair, play- LAFC 
pretty much has everybody's number. <laughs> I true, see what you're true. saying. <laughs> no, no, it's true. But like we could go to Antarctica, man, and play and a they, game there. Yeah, like us. they, they both still beat us pretty well. Like I just, it's kind of crazy. So, I mean, not you playoffs. mentioned, you mentioned, yeah, exactly. Not the playoffs. You mentioned the grit and grind and that's how RSL has gotten through a lot of tough times over the last like year, two years. So like, if they bring that grit and grind for this game in and it happens to be enough, that's how they're going to get it done. I don't see it happening really any other way because like, let's just be honest skillfully, like skill wise. And even on basis of like form Portland probably is better than RSL. And so Portland wants this game just as bad if, if they lose against LAFC. So it's, it's just going to be a really tough game. What I'm going to say is, um, at this point, if you've been keeping up with our standings throughout the season, um, I've won. There's no possible way I was going to say, Alex one of us is back. much better than the other if you've been keeping up. But over my last nine games, I have not predicted a single correct exact result. And I've only predicted two out of the last nine um, correct win, loss, or draws um, with like the end result of the game. So... Um, my predictions have been really bad lately. And so what I'm going to do is because the points don't matter at this point, I'm going to say that I'm going to predict a Portland win because the last several predictions I've had haven't happened. It's been the opposite. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do a little reverse psychology here. And I'm going to say <laughs> that Portland's going to win this game. Huh? Yes. Portland's going to win this game two to one. So, um, that is exactly what I hope happens. Wink, wink. And putting that onto the universe so that hopefully the opposite will happen. So I think Portland wins this game two to one. My player to watch, I got to end this season if this is the last game of the entire season. I got to end it with my boy, my favorite player for RSL. It's Justin Merrim. And I don't know what capacity he'll have in this Proud game, but if he starts in this game, which I'm not going to lie, I think I kind of prefer him to Oviedo in that spot but if if he does come off the bench whatever happens so be it demir krylock will not be in this game there will be no demiracle this year and so if rsl is to pull off the unthinkable and win this game they're gonna need a hero and it's got to be a guy that is a veteran on this team the team can trust him and i think that that guy is honestly justin miram he had he had some unbelievable moments at the end of games last year. And this is the game. This is the game we need. This is a playoff game for all intents and purposes. The playoffs have already started for RSL. This is the biggest game for them of the season. They need to win it. A guy like Justin Merrim, I can easily see him stepping up in this moment, having a goal in this game. Maybe even the game winning goal. I'll say that. The game winning goal. Even though I've predicted a 2-1 Portland win. Wink, wink. <laughs> If the opposite ends up happening, I think it's Merrim that gets the game winning goal. And oh, it would yeah. be, it would be amazing. It would be like the coolest thing ever to see that happen. So just because I, I love Justin Merrim, I want him to have a fantastic game. And I think he can, I think he could do it with all of his experience, everything he's put into the season, which has just been fantastic. Played tons and tons of minutes. I love Justin Merrim in this game. Alex, what do you think is going to happen in this one? And who's your one to watch? I, you gave me a really good runway to work with to try to get my prediction ready. I have no idea. Portland have won four of their last five. They have not lost since late August. They are coming in on scorching form. Hey, 
You're I speaking think- of form, man. Your form's been pretty bad in predicting results too. Why don't you just join me on the Portland win guess and we'll just reverse curse this. RSL's taken this bad boy four to three in an absolute barn burner. RSL's taken this one four to three. RSL, the team that has lacked consistency in front of goal all season, is putting up four, four, to three. four at home against their Western mm-hmm. Conference rivals. And they're gonna miss the playoffs. <laughs> I actually worry very, very badly that LAFC is going to go and just collapse with the shield on the line at home against Portland. And I think Portland's going to win. And I see Minnesota probably beating Vancouver. So I think this game's honestly going to be moot, but I hope not. And the one, you know, the hope is obviously that LAFC goes and just trounces the galaxy or the Portland, excuse me. And they come in really dejected and down and RSL can take advantage. I do think RSL wins this game, though. I think at home, I think with Pablo motivating the guys, last game of the season, essentially a playoff game. He was fantastic in the playoffs last year. Pablo was. He found the right buttons to push. I would love to see him do it again. I think Sergio Cordova will be my one to watch. If we're going to put four goals in the back of the net, he's going to score at least two of them, and hopefully more than that. I would love to lose my bet to Hayden on over under of 15 goals and assists for Sergio Cordova. He is sniffing that number, but not quite there yet. And it's going to be an, it's going to be a fun one, whatever it is, like whatever it is, it's going to be fun because you know, RSL is going to have to open up and try to score some goals and that could make them pretty exposed at the back. And then, then things get, get interesting. And that's, that's, I don't know. There's nothing more than that. It's going to be what it is. And there's no real tactical buildup for me. We don't know what formation they're going to trot out. It's probably going to be a back three. Might not be. And so that's my that's my prediction, Ethan. I'm, I'm going 4-3, and I really do believe that we've got goals in this game because if Portland comes out early and scores one, we're going to have to really, you know, kind of let the horses lose a little bit up top. And I, I yearn for that. I think that would be incredible television, and I'm excited to watch it happen. And the worst thing in the world would truly be if we win this game and then find out we miss the playoffs because Minnesota waxes Vancouver and Portland can come out with a win tomorrow against LAFC. So I don't know. That's that's my prediction. I stand by it, and I think it is scientific in its reasoning and accurate to the extremes, Ethan. And that's what I got for you. Mine's not scientific at all. It's just kind of hoping that something's written in the stars for that. But well, clearly your method's working better works. than mine, Ethan. So whatever you're doing, continue it on into next season. Bro, guess what? Okay, I, I think it's funny how confident you are that like Minnesota's going to beat the Whitecaps because if you look at Minnesota's recent form, man, not good. Not good at all. Um, yeah, over it's been the last, wild. They've gone like over zero, the last six five games and one or something like that. Yes, yeah, over the last crazy. six games, they've they've drawn one it's game and then lost five. Point. Like, yeah, that's wild. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to I'll have to double check. Like, and Vancouver's not eliminated, so they still have something to play for. Yeah. Um. For Minnesota, oh, I guess all their guys are back. For some reason, I thought I, I think. I think Emmanuel Reynoso was injured for a little bit of a stretch, which kind of contributed to the run of bad playing. Um, and they weren't sure if he was going to come back, but they have not looked good at all. And their guys are all back now, but like still haven't looked good, man. So like if that continues, RSL might have a chance, but we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, I don't think there's anything else I really want to add to this episode today. Alex, you have anything to add before we finish off today? 
Nothing. I apologize for my rant. It was probably a little too negative considering we haven't actually been eliminated from the playoffs. And I actually predict us to probably still maybe kind of sort of make it. I know I said that I don't think we do, but I hope so. Deep down in my bones, I really, 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 really want to see another playoff run. So that's where I'm at. That's all I got. I appreciate those that listen for listening. Share it with a friend. You got two episodes left in the regular season. So make of that what you will. And fingers crossed. But that's all I got. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, I need to apologize too because I feel like I was super down and out after last game. Um, and Heck, I was like, you oh, can't R- blame us. I mean, ourselves are going to make the playoffs we'll at home against the average Eastern Conference team. They have a chance to make the playoffs, so I will say that you should tune in and make sure to watch the game live or on the TV if you have the opportunity to. It'll be a really good game. 3 p.m. kickoff time. For uh, the R- for RSL against the Portland Timbers at home, it would be a very good game. just want to finish off the episode today by saying something that I neglected to say at the beginning of the episode. So if you're still here listening to the end of the episode, which I found out that some which people better don't be. like to, uh, <laughs> Hayden Nielsen. Um, but if you're here listening to the end of the podcast, really appreciate your time. Thank you so very much for listening and supporting this podcast. We really could not be doing all of this and, and have the success that we're having without your guys' help, without your listenership. So really appreciate all your guys' time. And if you haven't already, make sure to follow Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Great follow. And then follow me at Ethan Kershaw 9 as well. You can find the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter. Also, you can find all of our episodes there on the Hive Sports page. You can also find them in our bios on its separate own channel. Uh, Make sure to rate and review if you feel so inclined. We'd really appreciate the rate and review. And I think that's it. So thank you all again for listening. Really appreciate everything you do for us. And with that being said, we will talk to y'all next week. See ya.